This is Undaunted Life, a man's podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Let's get into it. All right, guys, in this episode, we're going to be going into the controversy that is currently surrounding megachurch pastor Andy Stanley. So this is stemming from really one line in his sermon entitled, Not Difficult. This was a sermon that he recorded or that he presented probably about three weeks ago from the time of this recording. And so this was the quote that got him in all this kind of hot water. Here it goes. Peter, James, and Paul elected to unhitch the Christian faith from the Jewish scriptures. And my friends, we must as well. Okay, so a lot of controversy has gone down. I know a lot of you guys have have followed this along, especially if you're in any type of reform circles or different things like that. So we're going to get into all the details about the sermon, kind of where that came from and everything. But first, I'm not going to assume that all of you know who Andy Stanley is. So let's do a little background on Andy Stanley. So he is a senior pastor of North Point Community Church, which is a huge non-denominational church in the Atlanta area. So um, if the last name sounds familiar, he is the son of Dr. Charles Stanley. So Dr. Charles Charles Stanley. It was a little bit before my time, but he's still recognizable even to me. He is a giant in the televangelism and the Christian radio world, okay? He's the current and has been for a long time. He's the senior pastor of First Baptist Church in Atlanta. He founded In Touch Ministries. He's the two-time president of the Southern Baptist Convention. That's just a little bit about him, but he's just a giant in this area, and his son, Andy, followed in his footsteps to go into vocational ministry. So uh, Andy was actually a student minister at his dad's church for quite some time, but he wanted to attract a little bit of a different audience than what First Baptist was attracting, okay? Um, And so really long story short, I'm not going to get into all the history here, but he founded North Point Community Church in 1995, and he wanted to have a church that unchurched people would love to attend. That's If you listen to any of his sermons, that's something that he says really often. He wanted the unchurched in the Atlanta area, and specifically the area of their first campus, to, to really be just this irresistible thing to people. And really over the years since 1995, the church has exploded to over 30,000 weekly attendees, right? So this church is consistently in the top three of the biggest churches in America. I think even as recently as 2014, it was considered the biggest church in America. So uh, this guy, he's been invited to do the National Prayer Service. Uh, He actually did that for President Obama back in 2009. He's been named to different lists, you know, like the most influential living preacher and most effective preachers. He's authored a ton of different books. If you're familiar with our book list on our website, uh, his book, Deep and Wide, it's a book about kind of how to grow different ministries. That's on the the list. And so you can go to the rest of that list at www.undaunted.life backslash booklist. So that is one of the 100 books. His childhood best friend is Louis Giglio. So if you're familiar with Passion or Passion Church or any of that kind of stuff, that's Louis Louis Giglio. Uh, he's also got this thing called Your Move. So um, if, if you're a podcast person, so you have the North Point Community Church sermon series, but then there's another uh, podcast that he has in addition to his leadership podcast, and this one's called Your Move. And so Your Move, is, they're basically like 30 minute versions of his sermons. So let's say a year ago he pre- preached a sermon and it was, you know, 45 minutes long. Well, this will be like a 28, 29 minute version of that sermon. So it's just kind of edited down a little bit. So I actually watched those videos for a long time and listened to the podcast for a while, but then it was picked up by Netflix. So I'm, I'm pretty sure if you have the streaming version of Netflix, you can get your move on there. 
And then also, this is something that plays on cable television after Saturday Night Live. And so as recently as a a few months ago, they were talking about adding different areas. So even my area, Oklahoma City, that's going to be added to after Saturday Night Live plays on Saturday. Uh, They're going to play this. So so Andy Stanley literally is everywhere. But but also, I got to just be honest with you up front. I'm a fan of Andy Stanley. I've been a fan for a very long time. Back probably, I don't know, it would have been 2008, 2009, 2010, something like that. Um, he came and did a uh, did a sermon at my church. And so this was where they had a bunch of different guest speakers. And he did a sermon. I was like, man, I, re- I really dig this guy's style. Like he had his energy and just, you know, made some different types of points and didn't come off like super preachy one, but at the same time, he didn't come off like super stodgy. And he didn't also come off as like way too like, yeah, man, do whatever you want to do, bro. Jesus will love you. He didn't come off like that either. And so I just started listening to him and I've listened to him over the years and read his books and just kind of kept up with him. So I've literally been uh, listening to his sermons and been into his ministry for the the better part of a decade now. Um, And so one thing about Andy Stanley that I, I, I really like is what his focus is. He's very upfront with his focus. Uh, he talks about this a lot, and this is going to be um, very important later on in this podcast, but he talks about Acts fifteen nineteen, and that's a, a, a scripture that he has framed and it's up in his office and he has it other places. It's just like, it's, it's like a life verse for him. I don't think he necessarily categorized it as that, but it's basically a life verse. And so it says this, and this was spoken by James at the time, the brother of Jesus. And it's this, it is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. And so there's a lot to like about Andy Stanley. Uh, he's gotten in hot water before he's been in some other controversies, but I will tell you, I'm fair. Like I'm nothing if not fair. So every time I come on this podcast, I like to make sure that my philosophy on whatever it is I'm talking about is as airtight as I can possibly make it in my fallible, sometimes ignorant brain, right? I, I try to make sure that's that's done in a really good way as much as possible. So even though I'm a fan of somebody, I want to be fair and I want to be balanced about what exactly we're talking about. So I want to be able to call balls and strikes. I think I've said that before here when when talking about different uh, political candidates, and I know Ben Shapiro says that a lot, but I, I really do try to do that in my life, even if I like you, even if I like everything that you've stood for. If you've done something wrong, we have to be able to call a spade a spade. And so I want you to know that, that when we're going into this podcast, you know, if you're expecting me to defend Andy Stanley, if you're expecting me to destroy him, that, you know, just go into this podcast with an open mind because I went into this controversy with an open mind. So um, to get into it a little bit, He's been caught up in this controversy about this sermon that he he released not that long ago. Uh, he's been caught up in controversies before, and and normally how it goes is these are single quotes um, that he's spoken in these sermons, and then they blow up in the theological communities, right? They just kind of they completely blow up and like, oh, how dare he say that? And there's there's just all these different things that um, make make it an issue for Andy Stanley and make him have to kind of come out and defend it. So uh, this particular controversy, it stems from one line in his sermon entitled, Not Difficult. And again, I'll read the line to you that really became kind of an issue for everybody. Peter, James, and Paul elected to unhitch the Christian faith from their Jewish scriptures. We must as well. Okay. So, but in order for me really to kind of get into this, I need to kind of set the stage for why the unhitch word was even uttered in that phrase, okay? So again, like I said, this is a sermon entitled Not Give Difficult, which is part of a three-part series called Aftermath, okay? So this was the last in a three-part series called Aftermath. The entire series is about what the foundation of the first century church was, 
Like that, that's what the entire sermon series is about. And one thing you'll notice about Andy Stanley's style is he'll spend two weeks on one subject and then sometimes he'll go seven or eight weeks or something like that. But he, he does as many sermons as he needs to to get out the philosophy in a way that it's still palatable for a, a, a large audience, I guess would be the easiest way to say it. So right now, I want to go ahead and kind of summarize uh, the first two weeks of this because I think it's very important to give some context here. So I want to summarize the first two weeks and then we'll get into the to the third week which is where all the drama came, okay? So in the first week, there was a quote really from the very top of this, which kind of sets the tone for the remainder of this series. And so here was the quote Andy Stanley had at the beginning. If you gave up on Christianity because of something in the Bible or something about the Bible, something that was actually in the Bible or something that you heard about in the Bible, you may have given up on Christianity unnecessarily. Okay, so he was talking uh, a lot about, even in this series, and I kind of mentioned it earlier, with with North Point Community Church. When they launched, they they had this one kind of driving quote, and it was this, resisting things that make the church unnecessarily resistible. Okay, resisting things that make the church unnecessarily resistible. And then he kind of goes into how North Point started to kind of change how they talked about the Bible. So this was, you know, according to Andy Stanley about 10 years ago. So this would have been right around the time when I started listening to Andy Stanley. Right. Um, And what they wanted to do is they wanted to point uh, to the foundation of the faith and how they did that. And, and what exactly they pointed to was something that they were going to be very interested in. Okay, and, and this whole mindset shift for Stanley, Stanley said he, he came on the heels of kind of the new atheist movement. So if you're familiar with the new atheists, you'll be familiar with some of these people. So it's Richard Dawkins, Christopher Hitchens, Daniel Dennett, and Sam Harris. Those are kind of the four horsemen of the new atheists. These men became wildly popular in a post-9-11 world where it looked like, you know, religion was the big evil in the world, right? So we had these, you know, Islamic fundamentalist terrorists decide to fly some buildings and uh, fly some planes into some buildings and kill a bunch of people. Um, you know, th- it was kind of easy pickings for these atheists to kind of look at religion as a whole and kind of, you know, downgrade it and say how evil it was and all these different things. And so he talks about that a little bit in, in this sermon. And then he has a quote here, the Achilles heel of our modern version of faith was about to be exploited in a way that threatened the faith of the next generation. Okay. And so what he's talking about here is he was talking about the idea of solo scriptura. Okay. So, or scripture alone and how that has hurt us in modernity because, um, really our, our parents generation, let's just look back one generation, regardless of when you're listening to this, the Bible was easier to defend. It seemed like you know, in just kind of modern culture, right? I'm not talking about theological circles. I'm not talking about in your Sunday school where everybody's like, you know, a lay theologian or something like that. You know, I'm, I'm basically just talking about in modern society, new atheists are pretty much militant atheists, right? So, so even a generation or two ago, even coming out into the public square as an atheist seemed like kind of like a ridiculous thing to do. It wasn't something that was terribly palatable for the majority of people. Now it's not only palatable. If you're an atheist, you kind of have to be loud about it, it seems like. And so one thing that was interesting that he points out in this first sermon is that he had a quote that basically said, as the Bible goes, so goes our faith. And this kind of leads to a house of cards uh, style of thinking. 
in terms of the Bible. So if somebody can tell you, can prove something wrong in the Old Testament, for instance, or at least create a tremendous amount of doubt in your brain about that, that it kind of causes the entire house of cards to crumble down, okay? And so this series that Andy's talking about, uh, again, he's talking about what the foundation of our faith is, but this series is going through the book of Acts, which is written by Luke. And so basically the, the first sermon after the resurrection of Jesus was not about what Jesus taught. It was about the resurrection. Okay. So kind of going back to the early parts of Acts, when we're looking at, okay, how is the message being spread? And so, um, when, when they talk about this, the, the kind of the first sermon that's in Acts two. And then when he keeps going further, he's going into Acts three, which he's kind of talking about the foundation of Peter's faith and boldness, because this was a guy who obviously we all know, you know, even a schoolgirl got him to deny his savior three times. Right. So this was not the big, bold line of faith that, that we all see, you know, in the new Testament. Right. And so, um, the, the thing about Peter's faith and boldness was that it didn't come from, from what Peter read, right? It's from what Peter saw from the resurrection. Because again, like the new Testament didn't exist right after the resurrection, right? I mean, the, the Bible, as we have it today, it took them about 400 years to put it together in the way that, that we have it, whether it's in our smartphone or on our, on our shelf in our office, right? Then he goes into talking about Acts 4, and he talks about Peter and John, and here's this quote from Peter in Acts 4, uh, verse 20. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard, okay? So again, he's kind of alluding to the fact that the foundation of our faith is something that happened not a book. Okay. And this seems somewhat trivial that I would even mention that, but it's very important for the overall controversy that we're in. The foundation of our faith is something that happened, not a book. So the thing is, is you're going to have trouble with that in the face of modern atheism in society, right? Because modern atheists, they can pick things out of the Bible. And if you don't know your Bible really, really well, it's going to be hard for you to defend against it, right? Not saying that it's right for them to do that. Not saying that they're, they are in the right and arguing from the right side, but that is something that they're going to be able to do. And so the overall point that Andy's making is that he likes the standalone version of Christianity, not Christianity plus the inerrancy of the gospels, right? Or really the entire book, the entirety of the Bible, but that Christianity can stand on what Andy Stanley calls its own two nail scarred resurrection feet. Okay. So that's how he wraps up the the first week of this series. And so the second week is a sermon called mix and match. Okay. And in this one, He was talking about how the new church after the resurrection of Christ was kind of mixing and matching covenants, right? And so this is the first time you start hearing him talk about the multiple covenants, which he kind of drives this point home, especially in week three. But um, the, the big thing about it was, is they're mixing and matching these covenants because of the sheer number of Jews that were converting to Christianity. Okay. So there were a lot, there was a lot of persecution of the followers of the way. Again, if you're not familiar, uh, originally these people were not called Christians. They were just followers of the way. Right. Um, and so he, he goes into this sermon about um, the story of Paul's conversion. Okay. So this is, you know, the apostle Paul who was Saul and kind of changing and all the things that went on there, God communicating through Ananias. Um, basically when, uh, Paul returned, um, he returned with this extraordinary clarity. So this is post-conversion, right? He had this tremendous amount of clarity in his brain about kind of what he was supposed to be doing, what God was calling him to do. And basically he, he makes the argument that Paul saw the incompatibility of the old and the new covenants. Again, we're talking about the multiple covenants here. So we have Paul, uh, saying here, 
that he immediately let go that this is Andy Stanley talking about Paul. He said that he immediately let go of God's temporary and conditional covenant with Israel to embrace God's permanent and unconditional covenant with the human race. Okay. So again, that that's not a scripture. That is Andy Stanley talking about basically the lifestyle change and really the worldview change that Paul had in this very, very important time. So uh, Peter, although he's still struggling at this time with kind of the mixing and matching covenants, right? You know, he was still holding on to a lot of the Jewish scriptures and customs. And then we look at in Acts 10, uh, Andy Stanley talks about the story of Peter's dream about all the animals and he's not supposed to touch them or kill them or eat them. But in in the dream, God tells him to partake in all these animals. And so uh, basically God didn't change his mind, right? Uh, and I don't mean him being Peter. I mean, God being himself. God didn't all of a sudden change his mind about what was proper for people to do. God just changed covenants. Again, this is the argument that Andy Stanley is making is that God did not change his mind on what Peter should touch, kill, or eat or anything like that. God just changed covenants from the old covenant to the new covenant. So we also have in the sermon where he talked about the story of Peter going to a house of a Roman centurion, something that he would not normally have done to go to the house of a Gentile, uh, and how the Gentiles in attendance were overcome by the Holy Spirit. They started speaking in tongues, and you know everyone was just like, this is crazy. Even the Gentiles are catching the Holy Spirit like this is insane. Um, and basically, uh, Andy goes into talking about what makes modern churches resistible. So what makes them resistible, right? And he says part of the reason is because we mix and match covenants, right? So the the thing about it is there are two covenants talked about in the Bible. There's a covenant with a nation, and then there's a covenant with people of all nations, right? So Old Testament covenant with Israel, New New Testament, New Covenant is with people of all nations, all people, right? And so there's a quote here by Andy Stanley, which said the New Covenant values and imperatives stand in sharp contrast to the values and imperatives of the old covenant. And even if you just look at that statement in, in just its most basic form, that seems to be true, right? There, there doesn't seem to be a lot of drama there. Okay. So basically he's saying, Andy Stanley is saying is that the old covenant is not our covenant, that ours is better, right? The old covenant thinking kind of gets us into trouble when we judge non-Christians. Like if we're using things as the old covenant and talks again about Paul, and this was recorded in first Corinthians chapter five, verse 12, it says, what business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? So if you have an old covenant thinking style, you may be incredibly judgmental of people that are outside the church. Whereas the new covenant is basically, you know, that that's not the standard anymore. You can't be judging people off of that. It'd be like, you know, um, you inviting a Muslim family over to your house for dinner and then them judging you because you did not bless the food in, you know, accordance with what they would do within Islam, something like that. Um, and so basically Andy sums up the second sermon of this series by saying that our covenant is pretty much irresistible. Like the, the new covenant, the covenant that we have now is pretty much irresistible, but it won't seem like that until we, as the body of Christ, understand that. Okay. So that's the contention that he was making at the end of the second series or the second sermon in this series. So then we get into week three, and this is the one where all the hubbub kind of came down. And so this is week three of the sermon series, and this week's is called Not Difficult. So he starts off by saying that there are actually three covenants. There's an individual covenant, there's a nation covenant, and then there's a nations with an S covenant, okay? But the big thing about 
about this particular sermon is Andy goes into talking about the church meeting that kind of defined our relationship to the Old Testament. So at this time, we have Paul and Barnabas. They're up in Antioch, and Antioch is where they were actually first refer uh, followers of the way were actually first referred to as Christians. So Christians was actually like a derogatory term. Uh, in this time in history, like, oh, those Christians over there. But then it was something that they just embraced. And so it just became their name. But basically, um, up in Antioch, Paul and Barnabas were spreading the message of Jesus Christ. And the message they were spreading was very simple. And it was the resurrection that you just have to accept it, right? So that's it when it comes to Christianity. The resurrection happened and you have to accept it and believe in it. Like, that's it. But back in Jerusalem, there were Christian leaders that kind of heard what was being taught in Antioch, which was several hundred miles north of Jerusalem, and they decided to send missionaries in to kind of fix the, you know, quote unquote, bad theology that was being spread in Antioch. So basically it was talking about, uh, and Andy made the statement here, that it's keeping the law of Moses is a condition for salvation and inclusion, right? So in order to be considered a Christian, you had to keep the law of Moses. So this was something that was being taught at this time, it was being taught by the Judaizers, it was being taught by those people, and kind of Peter was leaning this way a lot as well. And then we get into Acts 15. Okay. So in Acts 15, it was teaching that uh, men, Gentile men had to be circumcised in order to become Christians. Now, obviously for guys out there that are circumcised, it happened at a time where you can't remember it. Imagine being the age you are now and someone saying, Hey, you know, you believe in Jesus. That's great. But in addition to doing that, we're going to have to do a little snip snip. Okay. And they don't exactly have local anesthetic at the the time that this is all going on. So, you know, quite the undertaking for somebody to become a Jew, become circumcised and, you know, just to kind of enter into the, you know, the league with the rest of the Christians. Right. So this caused a fight in the early church. You know, Paul and Barnabas kind of had to head, head back to Jerusalem and they had to have a talk like they had to talk with the other apostles about these issues, because obviously it's, you can just see it where this is going. This is potentially very damaging to have people in one kind of region of the world saying pretty different things about one central issue, right? And so uh, the head of the church at this time in Jerusalem is James, who's the brother of Jesus. And so the agenda for this meeting, you know, that James was a part of, is that it was going to define a Gentile's relationship with the law of Moses. So how should a Gentile look at the law of Moses or the Old Testament or the, you know, the Jewish scriptures, that type of thing? So the, the interesting thing at this time is the Pharisees, you know, the bad guys, the Pharisees had become Christians during this time. A lot of them had become Christians. And so there was a, a quote here that I thought was pretty interesting whenever Andy was talking about the Pharisees. And so it was this question. What do you think changed their minds? The Sermon on the Mount? Uh-uh. Prodigal son story? Nope. Parable of the Good Samaritan? Nope. They saw him after he had been raised from the dead and said, we were wrong. You see, when someone predicts their own death and resurrection and pulls it off, you just go with whatever they say. Okay. So that's just kind of talking about the Pharisees at this time, you know, what was going on, what could have caused these incredibly astute men uh, of the Jewish scriptures to be able to convert to Christianity. It seemed like uh, kind of a crazy thing to even think that would happen. And so Peter at the, at this time, he was kind of talking about how hard it would, would be for Gentiles to become followers of Jesus if they also had to be Jews. But th- this took years and years and years for Peter to, to really even get to this point, right? And so, um, because basically God did for the Gentiles what he did for the nation of Israel, right? So Christianity was not Judaism 2.0. That, that's the big, the big point that was 
that Andy was talking about at this time is that that, that was not what was being said, is that Christianity is somehow a, a later and better updated form of Judaism. And so a, a great quote from this part of the sermon was, Jesus wasn't an and, Jesus was an instead of. So Jesus wasn't an and, Jesus was an instead of. And again, we go back to Acts 15, 19. He brings it up again here. And this is the, the thing that's framed on in Andy Stanley's office, and this is James speaking. It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. And so this is something that he took to mean that, you know, about in terms of whatever we're being accountable to, like, what are we being accountable to? So, um, Andy Stanley makes this, you know, what some people would consider a very heretical statement where, which said basically said, we are not accountable to the 10 commandments, right? In the new covenant, it's less demanding because we don't have the 10 commandments and then the hundreds of others uh, of other Jewish laws, but it's way more difficult, you know, to, to love people as Christ has loved us. That's, that's a very different covenant. And so there was a, there was a drama brewing in this, in this series. Right. And so you could kind of tell in the, in the first two sermons that, you know, he was kind of hinting at some things that were going to be coming in the third one. And then he starts to really kind of lay it out here. And so he has a quote here that kind of leads into some other things and it's church leaders unhitched the church from the worldview value system and regulations of the Jewish scriptures. So, okay. It's kind of like leaning you in that direction. You're kind of with them, with them. And then he throws that out there. Okay. And then he says this, the Jewish scriptures are the backstory for the main story. The Jewish scriptures are the backstory for the main story. Okay, so he's he's leading us down here some more. He's leading us some more. And then he makes this statement as he's kind of summing up what his series is about. Many have lost faith because of something about the Bible or in the Bible, the Old Testament in particular. Once they could no longer accept all of the historicity of the Old Testament, once they couldn't go along with all the miracles, once somebody poked a hole in the Genesis creation myth, once all that went away, suddenly their house of cards faith came tumbling down because they weren't taught it's all, because they were taught it's all true. It's all God's word. And if you find one part that's not true, uh-oh, the whole thing comes tumbling down. Not Christianity. The Bible did not create Christianity. The resurrection of Jesus created and launched Christianity. Your whole house of Old Testament cards can come tumbling down. The question is, did Jesus rise from the dead? And the eyewitnesses said he did. Okay. And then on the heels of that statement, this is where all the drama came, came raining down from the sermon. And uh, I'm going to read to you the entire quote here, because in a lot of the, the articles I'm seeing kind of criticizing Andy Stanley, they don't really bring in the whole quote. So I'm going to bring it all to you right here. So it's this. Peter, James, and Paul elected to unhitch the Christian faith from the Jewish scriptures. And my friends, we must as well. And I'll tell you why. It's actually the same reason they did. Because we must not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. They didn't. We shouldn't either. The faith of the next generation may depend on our willingness and our ability to get this right. Okay? Now, here's the thing is if you take that one statement, right, that, that one singular statement, it may seem like, man, what's this guy doing? Where's he coming from? Especially if you've never had any experience or, uh, you know, relevant understanding of the things that Andy Stanley said before. But this is by no means the first time that he has talked about this, like at all. So um, 
If you looked at the Easter sermon from this year, you're going to see hints of this. If you looked at the Christmas sermon from this year, from just the end of last year, you're going to get this. But even in the summer of 2016, he did a series called Who Needs God? Okay. Now, this is one thing just as a little side note, and I'll get right back to where I was going, so, so don't worry. The series Who Needs God is one of the most important series that you could potentially share with an atheist. I've shared this series, especially the first few episodes, with several atheists, and it has opened up a lot of doors to conversation that otherwise would have not even been close for me to open up, okay? So, um, and you can find that. I'm going to include the links at the end of this, so don't worry. I'll give you a rundown of that. But in week three of the Who Needs God series that he did back in the summer of 2016, he did a sermon entitled, The Bible Told Me So, okay? And so um, I want to kind of go through this quote here that he he said from this sermon, and this got him in hot water, you know, almost two years ago, and here it is. Many of you were brought up to believe this. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. This is where our trouble began. Because the implication is, and this is important, the implication is, the Bible is the reason we believe. In other words, I can believe, the, that I can believe Jesus loves me because it's in the Bible. I grew up in a church where basically the byline, the subtitle for everything was, if the Bible says it, that settles it. And so we send kids off to college with a, if the Bible says it, that settles it. And all of a sudden they realize, oh my goodness, that didn't settle it. The problem with that is, if the Bible is the foundation of our faith, as the Bible goes, so goes our faith. Christianity cannot survive if somehow every single part of the Bible isn't absolutely true, if the Bible is the foundation of our faith. So doesn't that quote kind of sound a lot like some of the stuff that I was talking about in this recent sermon series that he was giving? And again, he said himself that about 10 years ago, he started talking about the foundations of our faith differently, okay? So that's something that we, we really have to think about in terms of holistically, where is Andy Stanley coming from? So now let's look at the reactions to this message. So, you know, really this is a three-part series, but it's that one really line or that one paragraph in the third part that kind of made everybody kind of go crazy. Um, Andy Stanley is being blasted in every conceivable way, right, for the things that he said. So I listened to a podcast called Apologia Radio. Uh, so they have like a once weekly podcast, but I think it's a, it's a, maybe it's a daily radio show or YouTube show. They basically spent over an hour picking this sermon apart. I mean, line by line, they would basically play a sentence or two and then four or five people in studio would basically, oh my gosh, can you believe that he said this and this is wrong because of this thing and how dare he say blah, blah. I mean, they went line by line. I mean, if you go to their latest podcast, if you're listening to this podcast on time, you'll see it. I mean, they just rip him to shreds. Um, he's also been, uh, been kind of linked to Marcionism. So if you're not very familiar with that, I wasn't. Um, this is based on Marcion. So this is a guy who's an important person in the early church. He was born in 85 AD. Um, and his theology kind of distanced the Old Testament from Christianity, okay? So this was a guy, Marcion, who was excommunicated from the early church. He was branded as a heretic. Um, basically, he was able to get a lot of converts along the way, but he was considered to be a Gnostic philosopher, especially in the fact that he argued that Jesus was not God in a bod, but basically he was a divine spirit that presented itself in human form, okay, to, to everybody. And so that's kind of a very Gnostic uh, philosophy. 
And then we have Wesley Hill of Trinity School for Ministry. He said this, he said, alas, most of the 39-minute talk can really only be described as an elaborate and educated flirtation with the old Christian heresy of Marcionism, the belief that the Old Testament is not authoritative in matters of Christian doctrine and morals. Then we have Kevin DeYoung of Christ Covenant Church. He's a Reformed pastor. He says this, The evergreen heresy that still resonates with people today, largely because it cuts out a God full of wrath and justice and leaves a God of goodness and nothing else. So we had other pastors and other people coming out basically saying Andy Stanley was opening up a gateway to relativism. So, so that was something that was really heard. And so I'll, I'll read this quote here about, about this and kind of, this was Wesley Hill again, but it says, when Stanley references Paul's view on sexual immorality, that we should love ourselves like Christ loves us, Jesus and Paul both agree that the heart of the law is love and that the whole law can be summed up in the twofold command to love God and to love our neighbors as ourselves. But it misleads by what it leaves out. In a fallen world, Talk about love can mask a kind of relativism. This is why the catechetical tradition of the Christian churches has been united in its use of the Ten Commandments, precisely because it is recognized that we Christians so often fail to discern what real love amounts to, and we need the Old Testament's commands, commandments to shine a spotlight on our slippery self-justifications. We may intend to treat our sexual partner as God in Christ has treated us. We may try to act toward them out of a self-giving love, but the distortion, the, the distorting effects of sin mean that we must be told what love looks like in the action if we're not to get it wrong. That divine telling, sadly, is what Andy Stanley's sermon would keep us from hearing. So that's that's pretty damning right there, basically talking about how this is a slippery slope to relativism. Um, and here's the other thing is Andy Stanley didn't really stay silent here. He obviously kind of came out and wanted to clarify his position. He did so in a follow-up interview with Relevant Magazine, which was a little bit disappointing to me. I'm, I'm not a, a big fan of that magazine. I feel like they are way more on the grace side of things on pretty much every issue. And it seems like, I mean, obviously the name of their, their magazine is relevant. They're trying to, to be socially relevant. And sometimes I feel like they really, really muddy the waters, but this is not a podcast or about relevant magazine. But anyway, Andy Stanley did an interview with them because they were obviously like, it was basically like Barack Obama being interviewed by MSNBC. It was just going to be a bunch of softball questions, get out whatever you need to get out. And we get to pretend we're a news organization. So that's kind of how that was going. So he, he talks about his position on some of these things and some of the, some of the outrage and the confusion that came out of all this kind of regarding the message. And so I'm going to go ahead and read this. It's a somewhat lengthy statement, but it's going to give you some context as to where Andy Stanley's mindset is. The confusion always stems from the fact that a handful of academics hear about some outlandish statements I've made, and for them, it's blood in the water. None of the academic types who have criticized my preaching have ever reached out to me before posting their critiques. When John Piper was concerned about something I said a year ago or so, he reached out to me and let me read his critique before he published it. It was fair, and I told him so. I insisted he let his readers know he reached out to me ahead of time and that I linked folks to his article. So I'm not opposed to healthy dialogue around ideas. When something I said is misconstrued as a criticism of small churches, I got up the following Sunday and apologized to our entire network of churches and everybody on the internet who was tuned in that day. As my kid, ask my kids, I don't have a difficult time apologizing. The folks in our church understood the point I was making. Anyone who listened to all three parts of the series probably understood the point I was making. 
Anyone who heard my Christmas or Easter message understood the point I was making. So I guess the point I'm making is that anyone who really wanted to know what I meant by what I said could figure it out pretty easily, but it might require listening to more than one message. I approach a message series like a single sermon. I don't try to cover everything in 35 minutes. I'm not that good. So if you want to criticize my approach to preaching, fine. I would love to talk about that. But don't criticize a statement in a sermon if you aren't willing to spend the time necessary to appreciate the context. All that to say, there are some folks who did not understand the point I was making. And for those who follow me on Twitter and who asked for clarification, I gave it over and over, which I actually enjoy. I tell leaders all the time, be a student, not a critic. Be curious. We are working hard to engage with our post-Christian culture. We will not get it right every time. We will make mistakes, but we will not circle the wagons, pray for revival, and hope Jesus comes soon to rescue us. It's not about us. What's at stake, what drives us, is the faith of the next generation. A generation that, unlike previous generations, is just a click away from infinite misinformation about our faith, the Bible, and the church. Years ago, I embraced a new approach to preaching, how I talk about sin, faith, discipleship, and the Bible in light of my concern for what is happening in our culture. My critics should be more curious. Okay, And then later on in this interview, he's asked another question. He was basically uh, asked this. He says, what would you say to someone who is worried that your recent message sets believers on a slippery slope to unhitching from whatever scriptures they don't like? And this was his response. Well, I never suggested we unhitch from a passage of scripture or a specific biblical imperative. Again, I was teaching through Acts 15 where Peter, James, and Paul recommended the first century church unhitch, my word, I'm open to an alternative, the law of Moses from the gospel being preached to Gentiles in Antioch. The party of the Pharisees insisted Gentiles be circumcised and obey the law. They were the dual covenant party, Moses and Jesus. James said, no, we are going to disconnect or unhitch the two. The party of the Pharisees could continue the dual covenant approach if they chose to, and many did. But the Gentiles would not be expected to follow suit. So, no, I'm not concerned that my teaching would leave people with that impression, especially if they listen to me preach on even in a casual basis. Us 21st century believers should embrace the decision of the Jerusalem Council, in my opinion anyway, meaning we should not add old covenant imperatives Old Covenant contract language or Old Covenant promises made to Israel to the New Covenant God established with us through Jesus. So when people looked at this interview and kind of saw some of his comments, they kind of said that Andy Stanley was kind of walking back his statement, which which is kind of like a modern day version of saying that somebody's doing something, they're like doubling down on their wrong. So it's like, well, he said the bad thing and then he walked back on the bad thing. So that's a bad thing too. It's like, did, did anything I read just then from this article or from this interview that he did, did it seem like he was walking it back? Like, did that come through at all? I mean, I didn't get that vibe at all that he was walking it back. He was certainly providing more context, but walking it back, I don't think so. Walking it back is basically an apology without saying the words, I'm sorry, right? So that just kind of lays the groundwork for everything, right? So I kind of gave you all the backstory about Andy Stanley, about some of the things that he's done in his ministry, about this particular sermon series, where they're at with North Point, kind of what the first and second uh, weeks of the sermon series led into the third week and what the third week said. And the thing is, is I, I obviously encourage you all, everyone listening to this, to watch all three. 
and come up with your own ideas and opinions about what's going on here. Because I'm about to give you mine, but I'm going to definitely encourage you to do that. So at the end of this podcast, you'll see in the links, I provided the links to all of these sermons, and I'm going to give you a list of everything that I gave later, later, but I've got the YouTube links and the links to their website, because I love you guys, and I want it to be easy. So just watch these, listen to them on a podcast, or do whatever you want to do, and get your own opinion. But I want to talk about three things that I think are important to consider in light of all this that's kind of going down. So the first thing is just kind of an overarching view, but is this text without context is just text. Okay. Text without context is just text. Now I'm almost positive. I didn't come up with that quote. I think it's just been clicking around in my brain for a while, but here's the thing is we tend to see a headline or or a tweet or a single quote from a speech or, or some we kind of draw all these far reaching conclusions from just those, those single things. And I am completely guilty of this too. Like I will read something and be like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe this person said that. And then you do like four seconds of digging. You're like, Oh, well they said that, but there's, there's a lot of context here as well. Again, this was part three of a three part sermon series on the heels of many other sermons, including Easter and Christmas, all the ones we've already talked about where he's pretty much said the same thing. And so it was kind of interesting that there was a level of outrage that came on the heels of a quotable, you know, phrase, right? So whenever we can encapsulate his philosophy on this one issue in a sentence or two, then it's like, okay, now it can blow up because we can fit it within, you know, the Twitter character limits or something like that. So I think it's kind of important for us to consider even on a macro level that text without context is just text and we have to guard ourselves from that. Okay. The second important thing to consider here is that those criticizing Stanley are arguing from a place of insulation. Again, these are my opinions. Don't send me uh, mean emails. Or if you do, you know, I might read them here because they always make me laugh. But those criticizing Stanley are arguing from a place of insulation. So here we have all these these pastors and theologians and people that are kind of of that ilk. You know, they're surrounded by other Reformed theologians. Uh, They're thinking about creating a depth of knowledge within their ministries or within the church as a whole or even society as a whole. You know, these people are in the trenches of vocational ministry or maybe they're in seminary school or they're going through the, the paces there. And here's the thing. It's, it's, it's very easy to pick on a pastor with a large audience. And the thing is, is you get to kind of flex your exegetical reformed muscles when you do this, right? And hey, guys, remember last week's episode, like episode 22 of this podcast, I, I kind of talked about Stephen Furtick, who is a, a big pastor with a large audience, and Matt Chandler kind of basically owning him in his own backyard, right? So uh, I, I said Chandler was right. And I I stand by that even now. So this isn't like, hey, I'm only going to pick on these big time pastors. I even mentioned Andy Stanley briefly in last week's episode. But this kind of leads to the third point, which I think is important for us to consider, which is Stanley is right about his main point here. You know, last week when I thought Matt Chandler was so right about the, the point he was trying to get across about God being for God, Andy Stanley is right about his main point of all of this. The beginning of Christianity is the resurrection. Like in its most basic form, it is. Like the Old Testament and the prophecies kind of laid laid the groundwork. You know, Jews, modern day Jews are still waiting for the Messiah to come. Except he already did. He checked all the messianic boxes. The Jews missed it and they killed him, right? That's what happened. Here's the thing is if Jesus didn't come and Jesus didn't die, and if Jesus wasn't resurrected, then we're all still looking, right? 
you know, if we're not Jews and, you know, Jesus never came, we're just kind of looking to other things. We're looking to other religions. We're just kind of looking all over the place, right? I mean, how different would the world be? And, and so I feel like the critics of this message seem to be missing the larger point. So they spend all this time nitpicking the word choice here and, you know, the music that led into the, to, to the sermon and they, they nitpick all these things, but they're missing the big point. And, and the point, the point is, is that the Christianity started with the resurrection. And, and I'll just be honest with you guys. The old Testament does trip people up. Like that was another thing that was talked about in this sermon series is if you try to describe, you know, God to somebody and you start them in like Exodus or numbers or something like that, it's going to be like, at the very least, it's going to be confusing. Like, man, what exactly are we talking about here? And it's going to seem like it's a different person, the old Testament God and the new Testament God and all these different things. The old Testament does trip people up. So when people are like, oh, it's heretical to claim that the old Testament would keep someone from coming to Christ. But is it though? Like, is it? I mean, just think about a lot of you guys listening to this podcast, you are Christians and you, a lot of you have been Christians for a lot of years, but if you can think back to before you were a Christian, think about the things that you believe now that, you know, you just believe it without even knowing why. Now imagine that you're, oh, you're a 35 year old guy and, and you're a smart guy, college graduate, and you're a very logical dude. And someone presents to you the Bible in its entirety, including the old Testament. You're telling me that there's not going to be something in there. That's at least going to trip you up. That doesn't mean it's not true. That doesn't mean it's not God breathed and it's, you know, that the inherency of the gospel of the Bible is somehow tainted. It doesn't mean that we're just talking about whether or not it would trip you up. And I would say for most of us, and I would certainly say for myself that it would. I mean, luckily for me, I had no understanding of really anything in the Bible. And then, you know, I, I became a Christian and I accepted the gospel and then I started digging into the old Testament and then it was like, okay, I was kind of backing into it. Right. But the overarching point here is completely true. So I can understand and I'm, I'm sympathizing with reformed folks. And, you know, I would probably put myself in that camp most times in terms of them not liking the style that it was presented, them feeling like somehow it had been sullied or weakened in some way, the message and that, you know, we're trying to get rid of the old Testament, but Andy Stanley at no point said that the old Testament was useless. At no point did he say it wasn't the, you know, inspired word of God at no point. Like, if you listen to Andy Stanley at any point, he does a lot of sermons about the Old Testament. Like, he, he does a lot of sermon series that deal with Old Testament characters. So if this was a guy for the last decade that thought that the Old Testament was completely useless and was harmful to people that needed to come to Christ in a church where that's all they try to do is make it easier for people to come to Christ, why in the world would he ever quote anything from the Old Testament? But if you don't listen to Andy Stanley, if you haven't heard any of his other sermons before, you're not going to get that. You're just going to assume this is a guy that stays in the love camp and stays in the grace camp and just chills in the New Testament and hopes nobody busts him on it in public, right? But that's just not really the case. So guys, in my opinion, is Andy Stanley a heretic? No, no. I think, I think that's an easy one. And this is a reminder for me. And I want this to be a reminder for you as well, because we all want to get fired up, right? And, and I'm usually on the front lines of the getting fired up camp. When someone says something, especially a pastor, you know, a pastor that we may not like, and you're just like, well, you know, this is my time to really stand up for truth here. And there is a time that you're going to be on the right side, but you need to consider whether or not you have the entire picture. Okay. Follow someone's ministry. Look back at some of their old messages. See some of the things they've written in other books. See some of the things that they've written in past blog posts and see what they do whenever they go into future blog posts. That's something that I think would just be a good thing for all of us to do.
Okay, so guys, before we leave, we're going to do a quick resilience boost. And as you know, by now we are a men's ministry and our mission is cultivating manly resilience. And specifically, we do that by providing content that forges spiritual, mental and physical toughness. So this week we are going to focus on spiritual and mental. And so everything that I'm going to leave for you today is going to be about what we were talking about today. So like I already mentioned, I want you to watch the entire Aftermath series. So that's each message is about 40 minutes long, so it's not going to take you that long. I provided you the links to the North Point Community website, but I also provided the YouTube links. So because I know for some of you, you listen to it at one and a half or two times speed. You can do that on YouTube, but I haven't figured out a way to do that from their website. I also included the links to his Easter sermon from this year. It's called Easter Matters. And I also included the series that I, or the episode that I talked about from a previous series from 2016, the Who Needs God, the Bible told, told Me So, that's in there. And again, that link will take you to basically all the other sermons as well, whether you get to it through the North Point website or YouTube. But also I put a bunch of blog posts or news posts that were posted by all these different people, um, basically people that agreed with Andy Stanley, people that didn't agree, you know, <clears throat> the interview that he did with Relevant Magazine, uh, the thing that Relevant Magazine posted a couple years ago when he got got into some hot water with some different comments. So I've left you some reading there just so you can hear other people's perspectives. Because you've heard mine, I tried to encapsulate Andy Stanley's and his critics all in the same time while still keeping this at an acceptable length of a podcast. But I got all that there for you. So you got enough content there to at least last you to our next podcast episode, okay? All right. Thank you guys for listening to this podcast. Please subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play and refer your friends to listen. Please share this on social media. If you tag us in it, we will be sure to find it and like it. If we deserve a five-star review, guys, please leave us five-star reviews. We are currently still five-star reviewed and rated, so please leave those and leave comments as well. I'm currently booking speaking engagements for 2018, so if you'd like me to come speak to your company or your church or your men's group or your outing of any kind, hit me up at info at undaunted.life. You can find our website at www undaunted.life. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at undauntedlife and on facebook.com backslash undauntedlife. You can also check out our free devotionals on the YouVersion Bible app. Just search Undaunted Life under plans. And as always, we would like to thank the band August Burns Red for allowing us to use their music library for our content. The intro-outro track on this podcast is their song King of Sorrow, which is off their latest record entitled Phantom Anthem. And they just released a music video for that a couple of weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago. So make sure you check that out on YouTube. And the links to all this are in the description, okay? I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Remember, keep cultivating manly resilience. Keep forging spiritual, mental, and physical toughness. Keep seeking the Lion of Judah.